Hi, I'm Kitty Fisher with another podcast about Brighton. This time I'm focusing on the Pavilion Gardens and interviewing the head gardener, Robert Hill Snook. As someone who's lived in Brighton most of my life, I've experienced the town through the eyes of a child, teenager and an adult. For any Brightonian, the Royal Pavilion is part of the backdrop of life. It's taken for granted and its architecture and interior, consciously and subconsciously, inspire creativity. But writing this podcast has made me look at the Pavilion more closely and I've started to appreciate what might be obvious to a non-local. This building is unconventional, over-the-top and eccentric. If it were a person, it would stare you in the eye and challenge you to pass comment. And what you said would reveal more about you. Are you prim, square, conservative, or are you unfazed, open-minded and ready to party? To anyone looking for an escape from the ordinary, the pavilion seems to be screaming out, yes, you can. That's great. But the gardens surrounding the pavilion are a different story. Where the pavilion is brash and in your face, the gardens are subtle and calming. Like a tasteful frame, they enhance the onion domes and minarets of an opium-inspired romantic fantasy. The pavilion gardens are many things to the people who use the town. A place to meet friends, a picnic spot, somewhere to go for your lunch, or a cut-through on a journey to somewhere else. One thing that the recent lockdown has done has been to make people look at their surroundings more closely. With the shops shut and the crowds gone, it feels like the wig, false eyelashes and stilettos have come off, and what's underneath is really not that bad. In fact, it's better than that. It's gorgeous. But it's understandable that for many of us, the pavilion gardens are taken for granted. The original Regency design was intended to replicate nature. Many of the plants are native species, and the focus is on conserving and restoring the garden rather than introducing eye-catching novelties. Robert Hill Snook has been head gardener here for 25 years and is used to giving talks, sharing his wisdom with volunteers and nurturing the plants. For this podcast, I spoke to him about his role and found out just how much work goes into making this garden look as though it were just part of the English countryside. Although he was a brilliant interviewee, his wealth of knowledge about the garden left me with even more questions. What birds and plants can be seen? What species of trees are there? How were the plants chosen for the garden? And so on. There are a lot of amazing resources online, and probably even more in the pavilion itself. So I'm just going to describe the garden and share the interview here, as there's no point in me reproducing the existing information. The interview was recorded in the gardener's office on Church Road. This means that there are quite a lot of background traffic noises, but you can also hear birdsong and a few cheeky seagulls in the background. The garden wraps itself around the Royal Pavilion, with clusters of shrubs positioned asymmetrically around the lawns. To the west, paths wind through the gently sloping grass areas and shrubs and flowers border them in irregular naturalistic beds. There are also quite a few unusual trees, several with branches that form an umbrella-like canopy. Each month, different flowers are in bloom and the pigeons and squirrels are glossy-coated and well-fed. But being a garden that's open to the public 24 hours a day in the centre of a city brings its own problems. No doubt it would be easy to put up fences and lock the gates at night, but as Robert said in the interview, whilst this is a fully restored Regency garden, its role is constantly evolving to serve the needs of the people who visit. The mental health benefits of the garden need to be considered too. What you experience here that can't be captured in the podcast or an interview are the instantly calming smells of the plants and a sense of escape from traffic noise and pollution. So I'm very grateful to Robert for taking the time to tell me about the garden and I'd like to apologise in advance for the traffic noises, which were a result of social distancing because we needed to record with the doors open. 
I've edited them out wherever possible. So here's the interview. If you enjoyed listening, please tell your friends, give a positive review, or buy me a coffee using the link in the notes. Thank you for listening. The sign in the garden says that it's based on the Regency design, the original design. Um, so, I mean, maybe you can tell me a bit about that. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, it, it, this is the only fully restored Regency garden of this period left in the country. And it comes in a period of garden history where it, it hadn't been about plants. It had been more about landscape or formality. So there was a great period in our British garden history where, you know, Italianate gardens, French yeah, gardens, yeah. all, you know, about structure, hard features, canals, not really about plants. And then the other side of it, of course, the point is, is the great landscape gardens as, as in Capability Brown. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. and that was about wonderful vistas and landscapes and lakes and things in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And they were looking at the sort of picturesque. And it's a time of Wordsworth and Jane Austen and the poets. Um, so the inspiration was really the countryside. This garden is referred to as nature-assisted and the picturesque. And Reverend Gilpin, who wrote a lot about this period, it's all about thickets and nature and, and areas like like the new forest and um, and that's what they were trying to imitate really so it's all very natural very irregular in shape no formality the gardens closer to the pavilion are more flowery and as you go towards the boundaries it becomes less flowery and more natural and more wild looking, mm -hmm. as if you're going into the countryside. That was the whole idea. And I suppose it was, it harks back to, you know, the town in those days was, was a new idea, wasn't it? Living in a town, people, people were country people. Yes. So that's one strand of it, natural native plants harking back to the countryside. But of course the other side, which is quite interesting, is, is, is the more sophisticated side of horticulture where the, the plant hunters were beginning to bring new things back. Yeah. What of course they called then exotics, which of course we are now very used to. Uh, things, things like peonies and poppies and, and uh, formiums and all, 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 all these things. And, and many, many, many from Asia. China, mm. India, and of course again it links in with the pavilion, yes, with yeah. its Indian... Because there's palms, I noticed <coughs> that and I thought, well, without well, no, the countryside, but is that something new no, or is that... No, that, that, that is not really meant, that's a little bit of a blip. But it looks good, because it, it's very bright. It looks it? good, and they kept <laughs> them because they were a gift. Ah. They were actually planted in 1955, they came from the Channel Islands, um, but they're not within the date. Uh, we yes. do have a cut-off date, which is uh, 1826. People wouldn't have been used to those kind of plants in, in no. the Regency period. So 1826. Yeah. Um, we don't have. We don't try not to have anything that was bred or introduced after that yeah. date. So it's a bit like a, a bit like a Regency museum of plants. I think like the Prince Regent would have loved that. Though. I kind of imagine I he would have loved palm because he's got palm trees in the kitchen. He would have loved that. He would yes, have loved it outside. So as well. you know, it's, it's yeah, and, yeah. And the garden evolves. 
yes. And yeah. don't and we mustn't forget that when they came to restore it back in the nineteen eighties, yes, there were already things still here. Yeah. Trees. There's a there's a walnut. Um, there's the palms. Yes. Yeah. A few other things. And it's there's very, a lovely one that hangs over in that. Well, that's a uh, weeping witch elm, yes. Uh, yeah, but some yeah. some of them are out of our date. Yes. But, you, you know, conservation, yeah. you can't go chopping down a tree just because it's not within our... So a, yeah, a, a historic course, yeah, garden yeah. does evolve through the ages. Yeah. So there are a few things that are not historically correct. Can I ask you something then that might be disturbing? The, the bit of um, astroturf. <laughs> that, yes. Uh, that, and um, you see, one mustn't forget that, that this is a very popular... Yeah. Destination. It's worn really well, hasn't and, it? I mean, um, <laughs> it's a case of perhaps not necessarily having the right facilities. I'll put it in the last ten years that we've been having an increase in all the foreign students, and they come in great groups. Um, and there's nowhere inside for them to wait. So you know, it's yeah. all all these groups of time slotted. Oh, of course, they're waiting so, to go so to the where, where yeah, do they wait? Yeah. And that somewhere. that when it was grass, that, that is where they all waited. That was that yeah, was where they, yeah. they were directed to go. And the grass just looked so dreadful, um, constantly. We, you know, we, we turfed it. But oh, it makes complete sense. Uh, yeah. And yeah. there were, you know, there were other options. We could have paved it against my real better judgment, because I, I would not, in an ideal world, I wouldn't have wanted that. Uh, but we, we thought, let's, let's give Astra turf a, a yeah. try. And it, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be very there very long. But they, you know, they've got to think of another way of, yeah, of, of yeah. sorting out the problem. Yes. Um, at least it looks green and it serves its purpose. But yeah. environmentally, it's not good. And aesthetically, I would not. But rather yes, not have yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually as, as far as astroturf goes, it looks quite it's natural. Just, well, I, I chose one a special ones. one. Yeah. Uh, because it, although it's been there down there for quite a few years now, yeah, yeah. Um, it did have a bit of a thatch in it. It had a bit of a brown. Yeah. It looked quite, and of course, it was, in Congress, is, is our grass is not over manic. It's 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 some some places it's more like meadow grass, mm -hmm. and it's in keeping with the style of the garden. You've got you've got a, a natural garden. You're not going to have very formal, lined grass. Um, it does the two don't go together. So. The grass is kept longer, mm. um, and in keeping the regency times, um, it's kept longer. And and the edges are not clipped. Yeah, yeah. Not like modern times where you know. And of course, it's not to everybody's taste. People think it looks scruffy, and sometimes <laughs> it does. Uh, but but that's the historical correctness of it. Of it. I was wondering about the pathways as well, because obviously the pathways are tarmac and practical. Yes. What would they have been like in the Regency period? Would they have been sort of dusty? And there are these two wonderful aquatants inside the pavilion, about 1820, 26, 27. You know, a few years after the, the first garden had been laid out. And, and you can see all these tracks. Yes, And there would yeah. have been a, a, a turning circle exactly where the turning circle is now and the carriages would have come in. Yes, oh, it and, must have been um, amazing, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's very accurate in that respect to how it would have been in, in George IV's day, in yeah. Prince Regent's day. 
I wanted to ask you about, um, I suppose, what kind of functions they have here. They have weddings, and I know that they're maybe inside the building and maybe photographic sort of. Do you have people doing kind of photographic yes, sessions we have, and modeling I mean, we have, and we have, that we have, sort of thing? Um, um, whole wedding um, our functions in the red room, in the, in the, in the, in the pavilion, and a lot of and a lot a lot of um, photographs are taken in, in the gardens of, yeah. of wedding yeah. parties. I mean, you know, the pavilion is used for all sorts of the music room. Yeah. They have a whole series of music events, talks, theatre. When when we're not in lockdown, <laughs> it's it's a it's a very busy place. Yeah, I imagine that's fun, but but. That might be an exciting part of the job, I suppose, if it doesn't interfere too much. But you must have other things which are a little bit difficult, like for example litter and maybe yes. people having um, impromptu parties here. The buskers might be a good or a bad thing, I don't know. Well, I never know quite how to answer these sort of <laughs> questions because I, I, I think of how I'll answer it is um, that we're, we're, we're in a very unique place, mm. I think, the, the pavilion and, its, and, and the gardens. I mean, especially now in modern Brighton. And of course it's, it is part of the, the cultural quarter. Um, but I think to have a building like this uh, of historical importance and a garden, which also is important, totally open to the, I mean the building isn't it, but the gardens are totally open to the public 24 mm. hours a day in the middle of a city, um, you know, it, it's going to have its uh, problems. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think we have created a haven for people to come to. I think it's the, it's the nature of the garden because it's quite natural, it's quite shrubby and surrounded and protected and basically um, a lot of green, shades of green. Yeah. It attracts people, people feel safe um, they, 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 it, it's a quite a spiritual garden in many ways at certain times of the, the day um, and, and of course it's, it's very successful and that brings all the, you know, the problems. So we, problems yes we well, do, yeah. have, we do yeah. have a litter yeah. problem, uh, we do have an overuse problem and it's, you know, it just aren't the, aren't the means to maintain it. Um, mm. The amount of people we have. Because I've seen lots of people feeding pigeons, yes, feeding yes, seagulls, yes, feeding squirrels, and it's kind of lovely because a lot of these people look like, you know, obviously it's it's a free yes. or very reasonable activity to feed some birds yes, and very calming. It's their back garden. Really. Um, but I mean, are the squirrels? Do they cause problems? They to can. Plants yes, and, they, yes, they yeah, do. And yeah. to the building. They oh, do, okay. Yes, they, they, yeah. they can. Yeah. Um, it can be a big, big problem. Uh, and of course, people bring their food in lunches, and we we, we mm. do have problems with rodents and that sort of thing. It's not easy managing a site like this because it's multifaceted, mm. uh, but at the same time, it does act as a it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. I would imagine that you would also get people that would really love the pavilion and want to volunteer or clean yes, litter or yeah. well, help um, with things. Um, I have had people want to help with the roll with the litter. Um, I have got volunteers. I had volunteers this morning. They've been going. They've been going for over twenty-five years. Oh, the volunteer, okay. volunteer so group. It's yeah. right from the word go when it was restored. 
Um, I've only got a few back now. We've, we've, um, yeah. After COVID, it's, it's a bit tentative, but uh, they are coming back. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a great two-way activity. Yeah, because yeah. they help us, um, and I, I, I would be lost without their, their help. And, and then they they get something out of it. They're learning. They they, they love being in the in the garden. Yes, yeah. And um, I guess socially, socially it's good. Each other and, yeah. Um, and it, the garden is a huge resource. I mean, we've got flats all around. Elderly people. Of course, yeah. Some of some few of the elderly come and volunteer. Yeah, yeah. They've volunteered over the years. But they use this garden. Yes, it's lovely, isn't it? Uh, um, it's very important, very important green space. Um, I was going to ask you also about how your job has changed, if it's changed over the years, if the kind of planting has become more, I don't know, if it's more organic or you've been more involved in the management and the design um, or less involved at times. Well, I am, I am always... I've always been involved all my 25 years, and of course I am retiring in six weeks' time. So, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> Lucky like, I caught you, Yes, isn't it? yes, yeah. so I've, 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 I've been here 25 years, uh, and um, it's it has changed. Um, because we're now managed by a trust, all museums in Brighton now, so um, we're looking forward to a new phase, which I think is going to be exciting. And uh, the exciting news is that we've just uh, won the first phase of a heritage lottery. Oh, okay. Um, which is which is going to be a, an exciting new phase for the garden, yeah. and and hopefully, um, you know, new new things will will be done. But but the basic uh, Regency historical design won't change. Mm. It'll be improved on, and then and, and areas that perhaps weren't restored before so will will, will be restored. Yeah. And um, hopefully there will be. Perhaps more community-based things that, yes, that the yeah, community yeah. Will, be, will be able to get involved with. Yes, I think maybe there's just one or two, one more question on here. Um, I wondered if I heard that there was an ice. Yes, house, and I could imagine you know like the Prince Regent getting some ice for a sorbet, but apparently this ice has come from various rivers. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, fancy eating some ice cream or sorbet. Yeah. And you're the king, but it's actually come from somebody's yeah. old river or. Is, is, was I, there, an ice I, house there was here? an ice house. Yeah. It, was, it was it was way, you know where the old phone boxes oh, um, going out onto new roads. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. In that yeah. area. Oh okay. And there was an original ice ice box. Oh. So um, that's not that doesn't exist no, anymore. No, no, there was an ice no, house, I should say. No, uh, no that that doesn't that no. doesn't exist. And have you ever found any interesting artifacts? I mean, you're you're digging in this garden, and there must have been like people losing nothing, money. Nothing. Well, I mean, <laughs> we. We, I mean, I always remember, I haven't been here very long, and there was a wedding. Yeah. And they, they were having a photo shoot on the King's Lawn, and the next thing I hear is that a lady had, had lost a very expensive ring. So <laughs> uh, I, I still to this day don't know whether... Nobody ever found, found it? No. Oh, um, <laughs> I, I can all, all I can say at one time, uh, that we, we, we find amazing things in God. Yeah, amazing yeah. things, toys and things that we kept. Um, oh yeah, this lion. Artifacts. Was he lost in the garden? Yes, toy, children's toys, and upstairs the volunteers collect all sorts of little trink trinkets <laughs> and things. But nothing, nothing super, super valuable. No. 
Because they excavated the tunnel, didn't they? They did. They I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think anything was found. Um, but I know one of your questions was about interesting about how the gardens would have been used in George the Fourth day. And I, I should imagine um, that you know he did a lot of entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And I should imagine that one of their, you know, if they've got guests, courtiers. They'd have probably liked to have just rambled through the gardens. Yeah. As they did in Regency times, didn't they? You know, the Jane Austen. Yes. Pointing at things and, and nature and, and, and the latest flower and yeah. and, and chattering away. Yeah. Um, and just just looking at all the, the greenery and, the, and, and nature. Yeah. And that, that would have been very enjoyable for them. I suppose the big difference would be that you know, I heard that the um, fishermen used to use the steam and then, and I don't know if this is in Regency times or later, and then it was fenced off and they were all very angry because they used to take their boats there. And I suppose in the same way, this would have been very private. It was a yeah, private, garden, private, private garden. And ordinary townsfolk would have been looking in and seeing these Well, of course, there, there would have been, it would have been more secure in those days. Yeah, there were, there yeah. Were, there, were, there were gates and... Um, and I think that obviously that is why Queen Victoria in 1850, when she obviously she was queen before that, but um, it was 1850 when she decided to sell it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't to her taste at all. Well, I mean, everyone she, can see you, can't they? You know, you it, know. it was likeness <laughs> to 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 any face really, and that that's why she went to she and Albert I, went to Isle of Wight. Yeah. And Albert, yeah. I think Albert designed a lot of. Didn't oh, he? I think okay. that was that was it because he yes. was he was a designer. Yes. Wow! Oh, that's great. I think oh, is that, is that... it's been really good. So that's the end of the interview. In the next podcast, I'm planning to speak to some of the people who live in high-rise blocks around the city. Thank you for listening, and if you haven't listened to my other podcasts, please look them up. <laughs>